Hey there. Welcome to the Victory Cigar Podcast. My name is Connor and I am the host of this show. This is a special episode that will be a part of a sub-series on this podcast that I am going to call Smoke and Mirrors, which will be used for episodes where I am ranking things. I think it is an appropriate name as far as arguing the stats that matter and separating the falsehoods. This episode is about who I consider to be the 10 best NASCAR drivers of all time. Let's get into it. So I was inspired to make this episode about my uh, top 10 rankings from an article in The Athletic that came out recently that was ranking the 75 greatest NASCAR drivers for the 75th season of NASCAR. And they had a panel made up of 26 different people uh, writers and uh, reporters and drivers, former drivers and crew chiefs and just people around the sport and all that kind of stuff where they voted on on uh, their top uh, top 75, um, from, you know, 1 to 75. And I really disagreed, as, as is probably pretty common with lists like that, I really disagreed with their top five and to a lesser degree their top ten but I, I kind of really disagreed with the, those top rankings, and it just kind of inspired me to kick this this episode into gear. And so, I, I'd like to start this, I guess, with ranking, g- giving some honorable mentions. Because I have my top ten all set up and everything ready to discuss. We'll go through all those. But I'd like to give some honorable mentions to some guys that just didn't quite make the top ten cut for me who I think deserve a lot of respect uh, for what they've done and that were just, they're just so close and there's, there's a, they're close to being able to make arguments for the top 10. And one of them is Mark Martin. I love Mark Martin. I'll, I'll, I'm not shy about that. I think Mark Martin deserves a lot of credit for what he achieved in the sport of NASCAR His years of racing were technically from 1981 to 2013, and he won 40 races in that time. But um, his he really only started running full time, full time. I think he ran a full time season in like '82, but he didn't start running full time, full time uh, until he got another real shot with Jack Roush in 1988, I believe. So his, I think, what would be fair to say for him is his prime or his you know full time in a car a, a proper car you'll hear me typing there because I'm trying to pull up his statistics his full time in a in a proper car was from and in 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 full seasons and everything was from 88 until oh about I guess it would have been 2011 is what we're is what we're looking at here and he in those other in those other seasons um post 2009 from 2010 to 2013 there he he ran part time I know he was filling in for I think Tony Stewart who got hurt uh, in 2013 or something like that I it, Hard for me to remember off the top of my head exactly. I remember seeing him at Texas, and it was—I think it was his last year. It was 2013, and he was—but it was just a part-time thing. You know, he wasn't wasn't um, racing full-time. But you could really argue that his that his um 
It's 2009. He had a magical 2009 where he won five races, but uh, for Rick Hendrick. But before that, um, he really he he was in his uh, he was 50 in that season. Interestingly enough, but he really ran from 88 to we'll we'll give him 09. We'll say and and 10, 11, somewhere in there. But this you know the stat sheet will say that he started his career in 81, but it was really more like 88. But he was a model of consistency. I'm going on and rambling on a little bit too much there, but he was a model of consistency. And he never won double-digit races in a season. The most races he ever won in a season was 98. He won seven. Never won double digits. You know, and this is why I couldn't put him top 10. He never, he never won double digits. But he was a model of consistency, and he's, I think, widely regarded as probably the best driver to never win a championship. You know, Denny Hamlin may have a, a claim to that perhaps when his career is over uh, if he does not secure a championship because he, he's getting up there. I don't know how, how much longer Denny's going to run and and he hasn't won one yet and he's won a lot of races, I think 48. But Mark won 40 races in that time frame. Uh, he finished second in the point standings five times. That's five times that you know, one race goes his way, you know, he doesn't blow a tire or scrape the wall or, you know, the guy he's competing against has a bad race at DNF. That's five times that he was so close to the immortality of a NASCAR championship. Five times. And in a variety of points, um, in, a, in a couple of different points, uh, um, standings, if you will, like between the, the traditional system and then into the chase and everything, in all kinds of different cars, uh, as the bodies and the generations of the cars changed and everything, he finished second in the points in 1990. He finished second in 94, in 98, in 2002, and in 2009 at 50 years old. So I can't quite put Mark in the in the top 10 because it just couldn't pull any of these other drivers out who, who did uh, manage to accomplish a bit more, but... Mark Martin was one of my favorite drivers. He was one of my favorite drivers growing up. I always loved Mark. And um, I just can't quite put him in there, but he would be my my probably number one honorable mention. A couple of others that I felt um, were worthy of, of mentioning at, at this stage are, are probably Rusty Wallace. Rusty Wallace was a, was a great, uh, great driver. Uh, 55 wins in his, uh, in his time. Won a championship. Uh, was overall he again a model of consistency he won you know year after year he didn't have a lot of dry spells a lot of droughts he won you know some big races he was a good uh driver in particular at uh short tracks he was a well-known short track you know you were going to bristol or martinsville you know uh in, you know in particular just off the top of my head those two of course in the time that he was running like north wilkesboro and i guess nashville fairgrounds early on i don't know if he won at fairgrounds but i know he won at wilkesboro but he was he was a uh, uh you know an accomplished amazing short track racer and and one could argue that short track racing is the most uh you know possibly difficult outside of you know the road courses in a stock car it's not quite the same as running road courses in an open wheel pretty difficult uh, but one could argue that as far as the, the different types of ovals, if you will, uh, that short tracks are the hardest to win at. They're, they require a, a lot of skill. And 
he was uh, he was very dominant there. So uh, at those at those places, and he's a champion and a fifty plus time winner. You know, fifty five wins there, and he he just didn't quite accomplish enough to get into my top ten. But he's there. So Rusty as well is one that I put there. I was never a big Rusty fan uh, in my time watching him when he was racing. Um, I was never a big Rusty fan, but but he was a great driver. Um, and then I guess if I if I was gonna pick one more that did not make my top 10 that was really close, you know, to possibly making it, it would probably be Kevin Harvick. Harvick stepped in after the death of Dale Earnhardt in 2001 and really lived up to a lot of, you know, it's not like anybody was anointing him as like, okay, well, you're driving Dale's, you know, you're on RCR and you're driving Dale's car now, so you're Dale Earnhardt. But it was, it's more about that that he stepped up and he didn't just like feel, fill the seat. And sort of, uh, you know, flounder out and not really, not really do much, you know, after after an early run or anything. He's a sixty-time winner in the Cup Series. He's a sixty-time winner since two thousand and one. He won a championship in two thousand fourteen, and he they gave him the nickname the closer um, and everything in recent years because he was so um, adept at being in the right place at the end of races, surviving races and, and being in the right place to have a shot at winning them. And he did it 60 times and he won a championship. And if I recall, he would have won under the old points format. He also would have won at least one other one. Um, I'm going to actually pull that up now. I'm going to actually pull that up now. Sorry. I, I didn't want to get my keyboard on there, but um the true I'm sorry one second um the true NASCAR champions as I call them uh NASCAR champions under old point system it's it's, it's a top googled thing here uh let's take a look at it here so the yeah Kevin Harvick would have won Kevin Harvick would have actually won three sorry yeah three championships um if if under the old point system Kevin Harvick would have actually won three championships under the old point system um Funny enough, his title in 2014 would not have been uh, the title that he would not be one that he would have got, but he actually would have won in 2010, 2015, and 2016 under the old system. But uh, under the, the chase system that started in 2004 onward, uh, he and, and into the playoffs as they rebranded it, he is a one-time champion. And I need to find a, a real proper... Uh, whole list here. Um, gosh, I'm sorry, I'm unprepared. I I didn't really think of this point. Um, I didn't really think of this point until uh, until I was recording here. This is a mess. I'm sorry, because I am trying to find. Does Jayski have? See, 
Nope, that's just the point. All oh, this is falling apart. I'm so sorry, listeners. I know that I know where I can find it. I just have to see if I can get there in time. <laughs> In this discussion about Kevin Harvick, though, I'll try to I'll try to talk while I'm finding this. But in this discussion about uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, he, yes, I I believe I have it now. He uh, he would have been a champion three times, and yeah, here we go. Okay, so the I, I have the actual list now. I'm sorry that I'm such an atrocious podcast host, but. So he would have won. So the, the chase system started in 2004. So let's just go over that here real quick while making this argument about uh, or talking about Kevin Harvick here. Jeff Gordon would have won in 2004. That would have been his fifth championship. Tony Stewart would have won in 2005. That would have been his uh, see second championship. Matt Kinseth would have won in 2006 for his second championship. Jeff Gordon would have won in 2007 for his sixth championship. Jimmy Johnson would have won in 2008 and 2009. Kevin Harvick would have won in 2010. Carl Edwards would have won in 11. Keselowski in 2012. Jimmy in 2013. Jeff in 2014. Harvick in 15 and 16 for his second and third. That would have been Jeff's seventh. Uh, Harvick would have won those three. Harvick actually, according to this, would have won in 2020 as well. He would be a four-time champion under the old point system. Kyle Busch. Would have won in 18 and 19, Truex in 17, Larson in 2021, which he did, thankfully, actually win that one. Uh, and Chase Elliott would have won in 2022, this past season. He dominated five wins, three poles, uh, 12 top fives, 20 top tens. Um, he would have won this past season, but of course, uh, Joey Logano did. Uh, so anyway, Harvick is a four-time champion under the old system. And if you ask me, I before I get into my top ten, I wanted to talk about this anyway. I just wasn't going to go over the previous champions. But if you ask me, the old system is the true system. I I believe that the old system is the true system. I I don't I'm I'm I know it's a boomer. I'm like, come on, get, get with the times, old man. But the old point system is. The, the true mark of consistency, like you have to go out there in, in this day and age, for example, you can win a race the third week of the season, first week of the season, win the Daytona 500. You could DNF every single race until the, the championship playoffs start and you could still win the championship. That is absurd. That is so dumb. It, 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 I mean, obviously that's probably never going to happen like that, but it's so dumb that that's even a possibility. It's, it's absurd that that's even a possibility. And I know they want to generate excitement and, and drama and get, get the drivers uh, keyed up for certain races and all that kind of stuff. But man, is it, you know, a dilution of pure racing and, and what a true season 
racing season should be about. A true racing season should be about whether you can navigate the schedule and win races and run well. It, it should be about that you have brought your A game to the track every week, taking care of your car, not taking any unnecessary risks because you don't want to lose points. Uh, and I just think that the current system is, is absurd that you have a driver locked in, so to speak, to the championship with, with one win during the season to have their shot. And in theory, it goes, well, they can't DNF you know, their way all the way to the championship. No, they'd have to race well during the playoff time. They would have to, they would have to race well during that playoff time, 100%. They would, uh, they'd have to continue to avoid elimination. But you end up with a system or a situation like, um, I can't remember, so please forgive me, poor historian here, but I think it was 2013 or 14 that Ryan Newman made it all the way to the championship round, the championship four, the last race of the year. He made it there without winning a race the entire season. He made it into the playoffs without winning a race, and he made it through each round without winning a race. And that that right there should expose the flaws in the system. That if he had, and he didn't even need to technically, you don't need to win the last race of the season. You just have to finish higher than the other championship contending drivers. So Newman didn't win the championship. I think he finished second that year. I, I could be wrong, but I think he finished second. He almost won the championship without winning a race. And the supposed chase format and all the playoffs and all that crap they started to do in the first place was to try to avoid that, ironically, because of Ryan Newman. Or because Ryan Newman was was not handed a fair shake. 2003, uh, Matt Kenseth won the championship. He only won one race the entire season. However, he did run extremely consistently. He ran, I've got the sheet right here, he ran with 11 top fives and 25 top tens. No poles. But his average finish was 10th, 10.3. And uh, yeah, 25 top tens out of 36 races. And... 11 top fives. So was was 36 races, just give or take, or, or not give or take, just roughly a third of the races he finished top five. He won one race out of 36, and he ran in two-thirds of them. He was in the top 10. He got the job done under the point system. They NASCAR denies that he was the sole reason that they changed it, but he was a large part of it. I don't know why. To this day, I think you can ask anybody that watched NASCAR in the 80s, 90s, why they changed the point system, it doesn't, I still don't understand why they did it. Um, but he he won the championship that year uh, with that, and Ryan Newman uh, won, I think it was eight races that year, but Newman crashed out in some other races, had DNFs, but he won eight races and didn't win the championship. And because he was not, he might have won all those races, but he did not consistently finish the job at other tracks, at, you know, on other races on the schedule. So that that is what I I personally, you know, right, right. You could argue, well, he won eight races, he should win the championship. You know, again, not if he crashed out in so many other races and did not finish as consistently as he needed to. That's what a championship season is. It's consistent excellence. That's what you, if you, if you ask me in motorsports, that's what it is. It's consistent excellence. And Matt Kenseth did that that season. He finished consistent excellence. Um, 
anyway, uh, that that wrapping this discussion up, uh, I I think that the 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 championship should be decided uh, that way. And I I look at the end of the season. I've continuously looked and seen. Okay, who would have the would the true champion have been? And it's it's a good thing that Kyle Larson won the championship last uh, two years ago, twenty twenty one, because the mere fact that he could have been robbed of that championship is criminal. That if he if he doesn't win that race at Phoenix at the end of the year, he's not the champion. When he wins ten races, has twenty six top tens, twenty top fives. I mean, that, that with an average finish of ninth place, that would have been criminal if that guy doesn't win the championship because of the, the silly format that we're at. So, uh, to me, there's there's two championships every two champions every year. There's the there's the technical cha- there's there's the technical champion, the one that that did that performed under the current rules, and then there's the guy that performed it under the old school rules. The ones that to me are still the ones that really matter. And so, anyway, Kevin Harvick is a four-time champion under that system. But we have to go by, you know, technically have to go by what the the system is set up to be. And under the system that it is, he's a one-time champion. If he was a, if this was the old point system, we'd be an argument for him. I'd be making an argument for him knocking on the top five. But it's not. So here we are. Uh, But this will come into play. Um, with some other discussions that we're going to have as well. And so I guess with that, we'll jump right into this into this top 10. And in my top 10, as I gave my honorable mentions, Tony Stewart, he's going to take the, the spot in 10th. Uh, Tony, I have his statistics up here. Tony was a 49-time winner in the Cup Series. From 1999 to 2016, he ran 18 seasons, won 49 races in them, and he won three championships. He won two of those championships, or sorry, he won one of those championships under the old format in 2002. He won one of the championships under the chase format. Sorry, I guess it was two of them under the chase format in 2005 and 2011 because the playoff format didn't start until 2013. I believe yeah their 2014 system with the playoffs was with the eliminations and all that stuff um so he won it under the chase twice he won it into in the um in the old format once as well he would have been according to the sheet he would have been Only a two-time champion. He would not have won against Carl Edwards. Carl Edwards would have won in the old point system, but he still would have been a two-time champion because he would have won uh, his 2005 title. He would have been the victor in the old format anyway. But Tony Tony was a guy who was... You'll, you'll hear it thrown around in a lot of motorsports. It's not just NASCAR. You'll hear this thrown around a lot that... There are guys with raw talent that you can put them in anything with an engine and they will excel, not just competently handle the job. They will excel. And Tony is that guy. Tony has stepped into all sorts of things with engines and won races and championships all along the way from a young age all the way up to to where he is now. You can ask him to step into anything with an engine and he will get the job done. 
he he will figure it out. He's fantastic. So Tony, Tony Stewart, Tony Stewart deserves this spot in the top ten. Uh, he he's a a three time champ, forty nine race winner, and that raw talent factor means something to me too. That that this guy was good, and the reason that that matters because it's like, well, this is NASCAR. This is not about other series. It matters because of how it translated into NASCAR. That raw talent. Tony was a great super speedway racer. He was a great mile and a half racer. He was a great road course racer. He was a great short track racer. He could do it all. He could do it all at all the tracks. Uh, He was a threat every week, no matter where you were. And that is not something that everybody that's ever raced in a NASCAR stock car can say. There's some guys that were great at short tracks and mile and a half that weren't so great at the super speedways and the road courses. There's guys that are great at road courses and short tracks that weren't great at the super speedways and the mile and a half. They, there is a, there is a a true element to that, that, that comes into these rankings that I'm going to discuss with other drivers too, about being able to get it done at all sorts of different tracks. And Tony could do them all. He checked all the boxes. Uh, Into my number nine spot. In that same, in a similar vein, I have Kyle Busch. I'll, uh, you know, I'm not a Kyle Busch fan. There's a lot of people that aren't. His fan, you know, the, the NASCAR fans, you either love Kyle Busch or you hate Kyle Busch. I, uh, I don't, I don't like Kyle Busch, but for whatever reason in recent years, I have appreciated his, it's, he has this thin line to me that he, that is difficult with him. Sometimes the way he tells it like it is, is very old school and it's the right time and place for it. When, when he gets angry, when there's cameras in his faces and he has something to say about NASCAR or another driver, sometimes it's the right time and place. That's there. The old school part comes in where it's like, yeah, it's justified. I feel that Kyle. And there's other times where it's just straight whining. And so there's a thin line with him that, Sometimes he's hitting the nail on the head and he's totally justified and it's a real old school mentality and sometimes it's it's just straight whining. Um and that I think that's the, the difficult if if from an early time in from an early age in in this sport if he'd been able to hone that and know when to sort of keep his mouth shut and when to to let it rip I think he would have been a very popular driver in this in this sport but he's had it he's had his anger issues and he just he lets it fly all the time and it's pretty much 50 50 as to whether that's whining or fair and you know the the guys that uh you know the old school guys typically didn't come off as whining they usually just they they opened their mouths when it was necessary and when it was justified and he he can't he comes off as a whiner a lot and that's kind of the issue with him anyway uh going to his to his uh statistics uh, as well, he's a 60-time winner in the Cup Series, just like we mentioned with Harvick. Uh, the reason that I have Bush higher is for his seemingly raw talent at at those variety of tracks as well. Kyle Bush is a threat to win at any track on the circuit at any time. He he can he can win at road courses. He can win at super speedways. He can win at mile and a half. He can win 
at short tracks. He can win anywhere, anytime. He has been a consistent winner. Kyle Busch has only won one race in a season six times in his 20 years, uh, 18 years of running full-time, uh, which would be 2005 to, through 2022. So six times out of 18. So a third of the time, he's been a one-time winner. He's never had a full-time season where he did not win a race. You see how mind-boggling that sort of statistic is? This is all sorts of cars. Back from the the you know the pre-car of tomorrow, the car of tomorrow, uh, the Gen Six, I guess is what the the last ones were, uh, and and into the the next gen. He has won a race every year. He's won a points race every year that he's been a full-time driver, and he's only been a one-time winner a third of the time. He's been a multi-race winner the other two-thirds of the time. And it's basically when he runs, he's actually only won two races in a season twice out of all those two. He's been, you know, if he's winning races, he's going to win three, four, five races. He has been excellent uh, as a as a multi-race winner and, and just a race winner. He is, you know, if, if there is some sort of prop bet out there on any of these betting sites for... Um, pick a driver to win that is going to be guaranteed to win a race. Not that the odds would be too great on that. You'd have to bet on Bush. You would have to. He he has won a race every single year that he's been a full-time driver. He is a champion twice. He's a two-time champion um, in the both under the playoff formats, uh, finishing first in 2015 and 2019. So both under the playoff formats, which is kind of interesting. Uh, to to throw out there, but that he under the old uh, standings because we're going to kind of do this for any of the modern guys under the old standings he is still a two time champion, but not but only once in one of the years that he did it under the playoffs, which is 2019. But he actually would have been the champion in 2018 and 2019 would have been a back to back under the old format. So to me, you know, the guy is a two time champ in no matter how you slice it under the old format and the new format. He's a 60-race winner, and he's never gone a season without winning a race. That's impressive. That's impressive. He'll, he'll be a NASCAR Hall of Famer um, as soon as he's eligible. And he has, that, he has that talent of being able to get into any sort of anything with an engine and win at any track. Now, on top of that, I'll, this is sort of a, a footnote, so to speak, because I'm ranking guys based off of their cup achievements alone. But if you want to rank him off of NASCAR achievements in the governing body under the, the all the different series of NASCAR as well, you know, the Xfinity series and the Camping World Truck series, he is a 102 race winner in the Xfinity series and a 62 race winner in the truck series. He has amassed over 200 wins among the three series in NASCAR in Craftsman Trucks and Xfinities, Xfinity cars and Cup cars. Now, yes, of course, you can say that he's running against lower competition in those series, which is true. Generally speaking, driving in the Truck Series or driving in the Xfinity Series means that you are running against lesser competition because the Cup Series is the cream of the crop. It's the top. And... 
but nonetheless the the that's still mind-boggling it's it's still crazy to to step in there and just make it look easy like he did in those other series so we're ranking them based off of their cup uh statistics and and what they are as cup drivers but i felt as though that is worthy of being mentioned that he has flat dominated the the lower series as well in his time of of when he goes and decides to run a race there for example they they started limiting the amount of races that cup drivers can run in the lower series um not exactly sure when they started doing that but i know that they did start doing that recently and Kyle Busch only ran seven races in 2019 in the Xfinity Series. He won four of them. So he stepped into the car seven times, which was probably the limit. It's probably the max that he was allowed to do. And he won four of them. And he ran 10 in 2017 and won five of them. He ran 17 races in 2016 and won 10 of them. So in 2013, he ran 26 Xfinity races and he won 12 of them. He flat out wins. You know, he he flat out wins. It's as simple as that. I could do the same thing. I could tell you about the truck series too. He ran five races last year. He won one. He ran five races the year before. He won two. He ran five races the year before. He won three. He ran five races in 2019 in the in the truck series. He won all five of them. You know, guy's a winner. He, he you know love him or hate him, he's a winner. Pure and simple. So. Uh, I've got him, but on his cup statistics alone, I've got him in the in the in the top top ten at number nine here, and it, it's worth mentioning the other stuff too. My number eight driver of all time that I have ranked here, um, I have to pull up the statistics here, but is it's Bobby Allison. I have Bobby Allison, the Allison name, a famous name in motorsports and especially NASCAR, of course, the Allison name from from Bobby. And Donnie, and of course the late Davy Allison, uh, the Alabama gang. The Allisons are a famous uh, family in in NASCAR and in motorsports. And I've got Bobby probably a bit lower than you might typically see on some lists. Uh, I can't say for sure because I haven't viewed them all or anything. But I've got Bobby in the eighth spot. I think Bobby was a great driver. I was not watching nascar at the time because i wasn't alive uh when when he was uh running races i think bobby was a was a hell of a driver and so when we get into these older guys we've been talking about so i've got caveats for both the young uh the younger guys of the more of the modern generation of the you know of of the 2000s i've got my caveats there i've got my caveats for the older guys too now, what are what is my caveat for the older guys uh, that we're going to discuss here? I'm sort of ranking these guys based off of the modern era of NASCAR, which is generally defined as 1972 and forward. Now, why did I choose 1972 and forward? Because 1972 is where the schedule in NASCAR was shortened to more closely resemble where we are at today. Uh, They ran 30 to 31 races in that time period in the the modern era since since then. They run 36 at the moment. They've been running 36 since 2001. Uh, But the the, the 80s and 90s saw them run 30, 29, 30 races. 
with more and more being added to the schedule to where we now run 36. But it's the closest. That's the modern era because in the pre-72, they're sitting there running 50, 60 races a year. And, you know, a lot of guys were not running every single race back then either. You know, you couldn't afford it or, you know, whatever the reasons may be. And so 72 is where the playing field was sort of leveled with that, where they brought the number of races down. And um, I believe that might also be where the point system was also altered to match that 31 races. So 72 onward. So for the older guys, that is where my, that's my caveat for the older guys is that, you know, Bobby Allison won a total of 84 races in the cup series when you when you encompass all of it however if you take away the the 71 and before and we only count 72 and forward um i believe he won 55 races in the modern era which is still nothing to sneeze at 55 is still amazing it's why he's in the top 10 it's why he's a he's a, in in this top 10 at number 8 he won one championship However, and that is actually including the the pre-modern era as well. Bobby only won one championship. It was 1983. He won six races that year and had 18 top fives. Um, And he won the championship with an average starting place of 11.3 and an averaging finish in place of uh, seventh. And um, he was 45 years old when he did that. He was 45 years old. um, And... But yeah, I, I, to me, a, a championship and 55 wins in the modern era of NASCAR gets you in the top 10, and it certainly places you um, for for who he was and the era that he was driving in as well, uh, places him there, and that you have to give some kind of credit for the wins uh, pre-1972, of course, obviously, um, so that's what kind of puts him in at at his 84 total wins and and 446 top 10s, 336 top 5s. It's what puts him there to me. Uh his final full-time season was 1987. Uh I believe he would have he was trying to run full-time in 88. I believe he got hurt in 1988 in an accident and could not finish that season uh, or missed a lot of time that year either or, but uh, his final his final races did come in 1988 at the age of 50. Uh, he was still wheeling that car, and uh, he was a great, great driver. He won a race in 1988. He was, a, again, bringing in that sort of consistency model as well. In Even post-1972, he only had two seasons, three seasons, sorry, where he did not win a race. Three seasons from 1972 to, to 1988, from his age 34 season to age 50 season, only three seasons with no wins. Um, and that would be 1976, 77, and 85 but he also in that time frame won a championship and had many multi-win seasons uh, culminating in a well 1972 he won 10 races that year and he won eight races in 1982 so i mean you're talking about a separation of 10 years there and you've got a you know 10 win season an eight win season with uh seasons of two two three zero zero five five four and five in between so allison absolutely dominated the 1970s and and 80s uh as an early 1980s as well was a, was a great driver so 
having having Bobby Allison again. I didn't watch him, so I'll say that as well. If any old heads want to want to yell at me or, or or anything for having him eighth, I didn't watch him. I'm going purely off the numbers and what I've read and heard and all the you know things about him and in my knowledge of the sport. I got Bobby at eight. At seven, this one was very very difficult. I mentioned earlier about how ranking three through eight was very hard and the order that I wanted to put people in. At number seven, I've got Daryl Waltrip, and this was so hard because there's a real argument to me to put him in the top five, to put him fifth, I think, is is where there's a really, it's very, it was very difficult to put Daryl here, and I like Daryl as well, but it was very difficult to put Daryl here at fifth, or uh, sorry, at seventh, uh, when when there's a real argument for for fifth, and we'll talk about that. Uh, Daryl Waltrip, we're going to get his statistics up here as well. Daryl Waltrip uh, from Franklin, Tennessee, was interestingly what makes his career perfect for for ranking, so to speak, as one of the older drivers. We'll say like a, that that was driving his dominance came in the seventies and eighties in particular the 80s, Daryl started his career in 1972 in NASCAR. He, he started the first year of the reduced schedule. He only ran five races that year. Uh, his first full-time year came in 1976. 75, he ran 28 of the 30 races. I, I can't tell you exactly what happened there, why he only ran 28 of 30 um, if that was the deal, but he he ran his first full-time season in 1976. Um, but Daryl Waltrip's first wins also came in 1975, won a pair of races, 1975. And from there forward, from his first sort of pseudo full-time with 28 of 30 until when was his last full-time year? His last full-time year came in... 1998, at age 51, he ran 33 of the 33 races on the schedule. He raced two more years where he ran 27 of 34 and 29 of 34. But he went winless in from 93 until 98 at the end of his career. His final wins came in 1992. He went off, I believe, after 92 and did his, started his own team. Maybe it was after 92 or 93. But he started his own team, Michael Waltrip Race. Or not Michael Waltrip, I'm sorry, that's his brother. It was Daryl Walter of motorsports or racing, whatever it was. He started his own team, and um, simply put, you just don't have a lot of success. A lot of a lot of guys, uh, it's very difficult to have success starting your own team like that, especially in that era. Um, and uh, he he did not win any races at that time. Ran some top fives, but didn't win any races through the end of his career from '92 onward. I think. He himself would probably admit this, and I don't think you'd have a, a hard time getting anybody to agree with you either in saying that had he stuck with, I believe he was with Hendrick in 92, had he stuck with with Hendrick uh, for another few years and then just called it quits, uh, he, he probably racks up a few more wins in there, in that equipment. I think he, he racks up a few more wins. It's hard to say how many, but I think it'd be fair to say that if, he, if he'd run... He probably wouldn't have ran for Hendrick until he was 53 years old, but if he'd ran for Hendrick another, let's say, four years after 1992, he probably wins another two or three races that you could throw in there easily. Um, but he dominated in the 80s. He and Earnhardt had a big rivalry there, and 
as, as well as among many others and everything. Daryl Waltrip uh, absolutely dominated the 80s. He is a three-time Cup Series champion. Again, all this modern era so that we don't I don't have any caveats or asterisks or anything, so to speak, here to talk about this. He's a three-time champion. He finished second place in the points um, three other times. So, um, yeah, three, three-time champ and three-time runner-up. That's very, uh, very good stuff there in, uh, in the 1980s. He won 12 races in 81 and 82. So back-to-back years of 12 win seasons. He won the championship in both of those years, back-to-back years. His final championship coming in 1985 where he won three races, but he ran in the top five 18 times. So it was a consistent threat at age 38 to win races uh, week after week. Um, his final, yeah, again, his final win came in 92. He won three races in 1992, uh, racing for Hendrick, I believe. And uh, Daryl raced for a lot of different teams. It was very commonplace at that time um, to just sort of jump from ride to ride. Drivers were not usually tied down into longer-term deals. Uh, Daryl was uh, raced for Bud Moore and Junior Johnson uh, and uh, Hendrick. I can't remember the guy's name. There was another guy in there that was controversy, public controversy, a contract dispute with him, and I can't remember who it was uh, that Daryl Daryl raced for in the early early eighties, but late seventies, early eighties, but. Daryl raced for a lot of different teams, and he won for a lot of different teams. Uh, and Daryl um, was just a flat-out great race car driver. He was he was a flat-out great race car driver, and uh, especially dominated that that period of time. So I've got him there at number seven, uh, and and I think there's a legitimate argument for having him at number uh, five or six too to be able to move him up a couple of spots, but. Because he's an 84-time winner in the modern era. 84-time winner and a, and a three-time champion, three-time runner-up. 390 top 10 finishes out of 809 races. And again, you, you can't do this because it's per se because it's overall statistics. But if you cut off that from 1992, uh, where he last won those races before he went off to start his own team and everything. That was how many years? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years where he was running about 30 races a year. Uh, that's 240 races. And if you subtract those from the total races uh, where he was just not that competitive uh, in his own cars, and, and of course aging as well, he was in his upper 40s and early 50s during that time period, if you take those off, you're you're left with about five hundred. Sorry, no, that's right. You're left with about five hundred and sixties, five hundred seventy, somewhere in there races that he ran, and he was a top ten in. If we subtract the the top tens that he got, because that's it's only fair if you subtract the top tens he got. Um, we have to subtract roughly, I'm just kind of eyeballing it here, uh, 23, oh, I won't eyeball it, 23, 25, 36, 38, it looks like. I think 38 top 10, subtract those, you end up with 300 and 
300, what is that, 342 top tens. But you end up with 342 top tens in 550-something, 560, 570 races, give or take. That's We're kind of spitballing the numbers there. But that is, uh, that's impressive as well. That's that's dominant and uh, and impressive and uh, definitely deserves a spot here. And could you, again, you can most certainly make an argument for, for moving him higher over the next two guys that I have on the list. But I'll make my arguments for why I put them where I did as well. We've got Cale Yarborough is going to come in at number six for me. And I had a hard time putting him six. I really wanted to put him five, but I just couldn't quite do it. Um, though I will say that I believe those two spots to be interchangeable uh, for who you're going to hear that I have next. But Cale... Uh, I was always Cale Yarborough was one of those guys. I never saw him race, you know, because he retired uh, from racing after 1988. I never saw him race, but he was one of those guys that I'm sure that that most of any of the listeners out here in a variety of different sports, you have you know your favorites from what you've heard about them and seen of them and everything. The 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 favorites from before your era. You know, before your time, the guys that you really enjoyed the way that they played the, their sports uh, that are from before your time. And he he's one of my favorites from before my time that I didn't see race. He's 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 definitely up there. Him, uh, I guess I could say Daryl Waltrip, but I did see Daryl Waltrip race. It just wasn't at the Daryl Waltrip peak. But uh, Kelly Arbor is definitely one of those guys for me. Kale uh, raced from his very first race in NASCAR was technically in 1957. He ran one race. In 57, 59, 60, and 61. But his first uh, full-time competition in NASCAR really actually came again after the modern era. He raced He raced plenty of races before the, the modern era started. Uh, he ran 46 races in 1965, for example. But he really was, was very spotty to give some examples. 1971, he only raced four of 48 races. 72, he raced five of 31. 70, 19 of 48. 19 of 54 and 69, etc. You kind of get the, the idea. Um, didn't really come close to running a full schedule until 1973, uh, except for the 65 season. 73, he ran 28 to 28 races. He became a full-time NASCAR driver at 34 years old. Full-time, full-time. Um and he won four races that year. Uh, finished second in the points in his first full-time season. 1974, second in the points. Ten wins. Ran 30 out of 30 races that year. Uh, 1975, he won three races. 76, championship. 77, championship. 78, championship. Back to back to back. But really having a run until 1980. So from, from 73 to 80, here's his final standings in the points. Second, second, ninth, first, 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 fourth, second. 1980 was the last full-time year for him. Kale, in eight years, finished no lower than ninth in the points and taking that one season out, fourth in the points. First, 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 second, 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 second. You know, I mean, geez. So, Cale Yarborough dominated the late 70s, the mid to late 70s, uh, with, uh, with, with numbers like that. And, of course, there was, a, there was another guy who was doing some pretty dominant things around that time that we'll talk about, too. But it was, it was basically those two. 
were were the were the big names or the do, doing the big stuff then. And I mean, you you look at those raw numbers, and I mean that's that's incredible. I mean, he won ten races in nineteen seventy eight. That's a third of the schedule. There's thirty races. He won ten of them. You know, nineteen seventy four, he won ten of them. There was thirty races. Um, twenty two top tens in both of those both of those years as well. So Yarborough Yarborough was was dominating at that at that time and and winning plenty of races and just I believe for personal just personal reasons of that he just didn't want to run a full schedule he just wasn't interested in running a full schedule I think he was driving for Junior Johnson if I remember right um in 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 that time period when he was dominating and he just wasn't interested in running a full time schedule anymore and he stepped out of the car. And went uh, went off to just race part time, about a fifty percent schedule, give or take. And he stepped aside to start running fifty percent schedules, and he was still winning races. Eighty one, he won two races when he only ran eighteen of them. He won three races in eighty two when he ran sixteen of them. He won won four races out of sixteen in eighty three. Three races in in uh, eighty four, and two races in eighty five. When he was only running sixteen per year, he ran sixteen per year for the the last um, seven years of his career, and he in that time frame, uh, running part time, running part time in the last uh, from eighty one to eighty eight. So in eight years there, he in eight seasons he won five, nine, twelve, fourteen races, while only running half the schedule, and. Uh, of course, won 69 races before that um, in, in total, going back to the to the pre-modern era and everything too. But he uh, he won in total in the modern era of NASCAR 69 races and won three championships in the modern era and ran part-time for eight of his modern era seasons uh, and still won, still won those races. Kale's guy where if he continues to run, if he ran full time in, in for Junior Johnson and just kept winning or kept racing, I would be pretty comfortable in saying he may have added another championship or two to his resume, and uh, you could probably throw in another ten wins uh, over the years he was running part time if he was doing them for a good team like Junior. Uh, so uh, that that's pretty modest numbers too. So Kale. Is is in the sixth spot. He's on the outside looking in from the from the top five. But there's a very 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 good argument for him to be in the fifth spot or even higher uh, when we get to the next guy, which is going to be David Pearson. David Pearson. David Pearson is another guy who also never ran uh, much as far as full time schedules. Um, David Pearson ran. Won 105 races in total. Sorry, I should start that off with giving that. 105 races. It's 366 top fives in 574 races. Um, He was a three-time champion in NASCAR, all coming before the modern era. He won the championship in 66, 68, and 69. Uh, He never ran a full-time season in the modern era of NASCAR. He only ran close to a full-time season even before that three or four times. So Pearson is often looked at by the guys in the know in the sport uh, because, you you know, you look at it and go, well, uh, you know, the statistics, they add up. 
but the you know the post uh, the the modern era the modern era statistics still result in a hall of fame resume and that, and that's a big thing to me in in these rankings with some of these older guys that I did as well is that Pearson won 45 races post 1972 and in particular if you look at it at the 8 year stretch from 72 to 80 for uh for Pearson he had a ridiculous 8 year stretch because he didn't win any races post 1980 uh but he also didn't run, run that many races um in the following seasons but he won no races um from 81 to 89 uh but he only he did only run uh about a third of the schedule in those in those races too and but from from he won 45 races from 1972 to 1980 i mean again that's like we were talking about Yarborough in the in that time period too um that's a lot of races in that in that time frame to be to be winning he finished third in the points in 1974 despite only running 19 of 30 races he 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 only ran two thirds of the schedule and he finished third in the points. Uh, he won seven races that year with fifteen top fives. He did all this that stretch again. The sort of thing I'm hammering home here is that he did all this in eight years, running part time. He won forty five races in eight years, running about two thirds of the schedule. Running about two thirds of the schedule. He he and and even honestly, you could knock off seventy nine and eighty, and it's actually forty three wins in a six year period, because in in seventy nine and eighty he only ran nine races out of thirty one, seventy nine and eighty. So if we just really knock off and look at seventy two to seventy eight, he he won forty three races in that time period, and was only running two thirds of the schedule. So. It's it's always been a big what if, I think, from people in the NASCAR world of like, what if this guy ran full seasons? What what if he ran full seasons? Uh, you know, how many more championships would he have and how many more race wins would he have? He won 105 in total, 40, 43, sorry, 45 in the in the modern era, including the the 40 uh 43 in that six year stretch. I mean, how many more races would this guy have won? And uh, how many more championships would he have won if he just raced full time? He didn't. Uh, so Pearson takes the five spot for me, uh, based off of having me having to base it off of kind of what's raw here, because there's you know we've done some speculation on every driver that we've done so far, but you know speculation being uh, you know being just that speculation. But going off the raw numbers here, I put him at number five. Um, but I, I was very tempted to, to swap him and Yarborough and, and Yarborough again is another, what if Yarborough, Yarborough might have a hundred wins if he, if he ran full time for longer, oh, it would easily have over a hundred wins if he'd run full time for, for even the beforehand stretch and probably more championships at number four, we have Richard Petty. Richard Petty comes in at number four. That might be surprising because if you look at the raw statistics, you say, wow, you know, Richard Petty has 200 wins uh, in, in NASCAR. He's he, 200 on the dot, won 200 uh, races 
out of the 1,184 that he ran. He, uh, he won 200 of them. He finished in the top five, 555 times, and the top 10, 712. The caveat being that whole thing about the modern era, 72 and onward. Uh, Richard won the vast majority of his races. He won, I believe, 140 of those 200 races before 1972. And another thing being that Richard had the money. The family had the money. His father, you know, his father was Lee Petty, and there was all the, all these petties that were racing. They, he was running basically full schedules from 1960 onward. He ran full schedules from 1960 onward and uh, racked up wins. I mean, he he in 1967 he ran 48 of the 49 races that year, and he won 27 of them. And the thing was, is that they, A, he had the money to race the races, and B, he had the better, he had the money for the better equipment, for better motors, for better cars. Uh, so that's a thing that is often discussed with Richard Petty. And, and so I'm just getting that out of the way first before I explain why he's number four anyway, you know, despite uh, if you want to take all of that away from him, so to speak. Uh, Petty basically had more money and ran more races than anybody else there were races where there was only 15 cars showing up and he'd win by eight laps you know stuff like that uh because it, his cars were just not even close to to you know nobody else's cars were even close he had the money to do so he was running the, the longer things longer schedules and running more races and winning all that however all that aside which is why i don't put him as the goat i and which this sort of this sparked i believe the athletic put him at number one and I just cannot agree, and I can never agree with putting Richard Petty at number one. And I respect Richard Petty. I like Richard Petty. Uh, I, I respect what he did for the sport and what he means and how his character. He's a great person. He's a great human being. Uh, but I cannot put him at number one, and I never can. And I just don't think, I don't even think it's an argument to put him at number one. Um. Again, the, the the races are eye popping, you know, two hundred. But again, he he was running basically fifty races a year, close to fifty races a year, and winning over half of them a lot of the times, and uh, you know, racking up all these wins. Uh, I should well, I shouldn't say a lot of the times because that his win number would be even more insane. But anyway, the post nineteen seventy two Richard Petty, age thirty four, Richard was at the time. In 1972, he ran until he was 54 in 1992. So that's actually 20 years of him running in the modern era. But of course, you know, getting older and and uh, which obviously usually usually has an effect in in sports and in even motorsports and everything uh, on your performance. But Petty still, despite if you take away 140 wins. And three championships from the pre-1972 era. Richard Petty is still a 60-time winner and a four-time champion in a 12-year stretch from 1972 to 1984. He, he's still a four-time champion, 60-race winner in a 12-year stretch. That is still a Hall of Fame, all-time great run. No, even if you take the 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 pre stuff the the pre uh, the pre seventy two away, and 
he did that 70 you know he, he did that um in particular that he won the championship in 72 in 74 and 75 and 79 the 70s completely belonged to uh richard petty as a as a whole for the decade though him and yarborough can have an argument about that for you know three championships and the the, all the races that Yarborough won, sixty-nine or fifty-five, whatever they were, how many, however many he won in the seventies too. Seventies were Yarborough and Petty, and um, he won plenty of it just he won plenty of races and uh, you know racked up the points in the top fives and the top tens during that period. Uh, his final win coming in nineteen eighty-four. Uh, I believe it was the the Daytona race in the summer of '84, the the Firecracker 400 that uh, Ronald Reagan was at, President Reagan was at, and who gave the gentlemen start your engines from the from Air Force One landing uh, in the background. You can see it as he's showing up to the race. Um, and uh, Petty went and celebrated his 200th win with the President of the United States. Pretty cool moment there. But uh, Petty won his final race in 1984. Uh, he won three races in 1983, no races in 82, three races in 81, two races in 80. His, his mark was really, for the modern era, really was the 70s. Um, though, of course, he did win 10 races from 1980 onward as well. Uh, but 50 of his wins coming in the 1970s from 72 to, to 80. Uh, but a, a dominant, competitive threat to win uh, in particular, Richard was a speedway racer. In, in particular, those getting getting the the horsepower up, those big engines, and uh, running running fast. Uh, Richard was, and so anyway, uh, I got him at number four. I think I think that's the right place for him. He had a Hall of Fame career from just 1972 to 1984. If he just raced those 12 years, he's a Hall of Famer and an all-time great. And uh, the 80s and into the 90s were not kind to Richard Petty. He saw, he basically, if you ask me, he saw everybody catch up is kind of what happened. The 80s in general, 1980 to 92, the last 12 years of his career there, he saw everybody catch up. He won, he still won 10 races in that 12 year period, but they were from 1980 to 84. And he saw the rest of the, the racing world catch up and things become uh, a bit more. Uh, I mean, I, you could say that the modern era, everybody kind of caught up in the modern era as well. And it was uh, more competitive. And he did not win any races from 85 to 92, despite starting in almost all of them, all but four races. Yes, all but four races from 85 to 92. Uh, he recorded no top tens or top top fives or top tens in his final year. He recorded a top ten in nineteen ninety and in nineteen ninety one, none in eighty nine. So it was it was fairly rough. He started to go further and further back in the field, basically, and uh, pretty rough in the through the eighties and nineties, early nineties, before he retired for Richard. Uh, but still a Hall of Famer. Um, of course, un- undoubtedly, and one of the greatest drivers of all time, uh, just based off of the post uh, postmodern stuff, and uh, putting him at number four here as well is you just have to give him that, or uh, you have to give him that for the top, uh, like the the 
what I'm trying to say is that the the stuff pre-72 is also not worthless or anything at all. So that's why he ends up in number four. The stuff is not worthless at all. He still won. He still crossed the start-finish line before everybody else 200 times. So Richard Petty in the four spot, the three spot. This was my last spot that I, like I said, I said that three through eight were difficult for me to rank. Three through eight were difficult for me to rank. This was, so this was the, the spot that was the hardest to, to put who I was going to put here. And it's Jimmy Johnson. I put Jimmy Johnson here uh, over Richard Petty, over Pearson, over Yarborough. Uh, because it can be difficult to admit. But Jimmy Johnson flat out dominated. In in his in his time, and you know, you could say however much that for that is Chad Knauss and uh and all that, but but Jimmy Jimmy dominated, and Jimmy is another guy of uh that was capable of winning races at all the tracks. He was a threat at the short tracks. He was a threat at the road courses. He was a threat at the super speedways, and he dominated mile and a halfs. Uh, and th- I've, I almost feel like the mile and a half argument for him is probably the, more of the Chad Knaus. Chad Knaus was a master of setting those cars up on mile and a halfs. Uh, but Jimmy could win anywhere, anytime, and was was just a constant threat like that. And I looked over his numbers when I was preparing for this and everything. I looked over his numbers, and Jimmy uh, ran every single race. From 2002 to 2019, he missed one race in 2020. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he might have had COVID or something. That might have been a race that he I could be wrong. Um, and he missed a race in his final year. But he he, ran, he just about ran them all uh, from then forward, 36 to 36. Jimmy did not register a... a uh, in, for, from his first full-time season in 2002... Uh, to his retirement, he did not register a year without a win until 2018. He went winless in 18, 19, and 20. His last three seasons in NASCAR, he did not win. Uh, he was without Chad Knaus for 19 and 20. They split up uh, as a crew chief driver pairing after the winless 2018. And uh, Jimmy struggled mightily without uh, without Knaus and in those last couple of years he's back of course for a part time this year he's going to run 10 races he's running the Daytona 500 uh in just a couple of days tomorrow actually and uh we'll see how he does with the new legacy motorsports uh which he he purchased equity in Petty GMS so he is a co-owner with Richard Petty uh of the newly renamed Legacy Motorsports so it's kind of fitting two seven-time champions and that's what we'll get into next is the Jimmy won seven championships. He won seven championships in the 2000s. He won no championships under the previous points format, though he did finish second in the final year of the of the old points format. He won seven under the chase format. He won one under the playoff format under the, the new playoff with the elimination rounds and the win-in-your-end stuff and all that. He won one. Six of them came under the chase format. Uh, 
Jimmy won five in a row, notably from 2006 to 2010. He won uh, the championship every season. He was dominating. That was his most dominant stretch for sure as well. Uh, five, five, ten, seven, seven, six uh, are the win totals for those years. Uh, with top fives, 13, 20, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, top fives from 2006 to 2010, absolutely dominant in that in that stretch with the five championships uh, under that points format. Which brings us to, again, uh, that he won them under the format. He played fair and square. He won them under the format of the time. He won them fair and square. You can't take them away from him. But I think the reason that Jimmy just isn't lauded the way that he is for some for certain for other past champions uh and doesn't get the the credit you know he won 83 races in his cup career too but i he just doesn't get the credit i feel in the championships the way that other guys do because of it being the chase format and the the chase format the playoffs and everything he and chad knaus had the system down for when they got in the chase uh, they had the system down and, but he did what he was, you know, he did what he had to do. He did, he won championships. You can't take that away from him. That I think, and I think that's the thing that for me to defend Jimmy Johnson on that thing is that he won him. He, he, he did what he had to do by the rule book. You know, uh, he executed to the, to the letter of the law, so to speak. However, when we go and look at the Winston cup champion stats, and we uh, like under the I say Winston Cup because it's the old points format. Winston Cup was gone after 2003, became the Nextel series, and it was the chase and all that. But under the old points system, Jimmy Johnson is quote unquote only a three time champion. Jimmy would have won in 08 and 09, uh, as he did anyway. He would have won then anyway. And he also would have won in 2013, uh, which he did anyway. So he won those championships anyway under that format, but he would have won them under the the old Winston Cup point standings as well. But Jimmy is only a three-time champion instead of a seven-time champion, uh, which I think sort of takes some of the shine, I guess, is the way to put out of it, that I think that is just the casual or just your regular fan who was around for the old format and everything. I think that that's what they will... I think that that would probably be how they would describe it as well. It sort of takes the shine out of it when you look at the old system. He's a three-time champion. He's an all-time great and and a and a, a a great driver. And as I said, I put him third here and all that and a great driver, but he just takes the shine out of it because, and among other reasons, his personality was never really that of, of some of his peers that are on this top 10 list and is sort of gone forgotten by the wayside in, in that sense uh, and sort of written off. And especially it doesn't help that he won a bunch of those championships in the car of tomorrow period that everybody universally hates and was the, I mean, pretty much unquestioned worst period of NASCAR. It produced some of the worst racing at, at all different tracks. It, it was a miserable era that everybody in NASCAR in NASCAR fandom would like to forget that the car of tomorrow era existed. And he won the championship, I think, every year of the car of tomorrow. Uh, and he did. It was the, He was the champion every year of the car of tomorrow. So everybody just kind of writes that 
period off anyway because the racing sucked. The cars were terrible, and everybody everybody hated that racing. And he won the championship during during that time. So that might be another contributing reason for him in those. But yeah. It takes the shine out of that a little bit. Seven-time champion win under the old format. He's a three-time champion. Um, But, hey, still 83 races won. A top 10 finish in 375, 300, sorry, 374 races out of 686. So uh, pretty much uh, over half of his races he was a top 10, had a top 10 finish in. And, um, you know, a seven-time champion. Uh, under the under the system in which he raced can't hold it against him uh, you can't necessarily hold it against him so uh number three on my list that's that's jimmy johnson and i believe i think the athletic the athletic uh article that i mentioned that i took issue with uh had him higher than that yeah it had him second um and but notably above the names that i put above him uh, which I will get to now. Number two. I believe the number two driver um, and that has a legitimate argument for number one uh, that I would not be offended in the, the slightest is Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon is the second greatest driver of all time, if you ask me. He is and has a very, very, very legitimate argument for the greatest driver of all time. So now that I've revealed that, you know who number one is going to be. But Jeff was consistent and he had his his dominant every every greatest driver of all time, when you look at them, there's there's the guys that are the, the all the all-time greats pretty much were consistent. Uh, throughout their entire careers. But they all have a stretch. They all do. Everybody that we mentioned has a stretch of like five, six years maybe where they were just about untouchable. You know, Yarborough in the late 70s, uh, Hetty in the early 70s, uh, Jimmy in that stretch we just talked about in the mid-2000s. The Daryl Waltrip in the in the early eighties, early to mid eighties, they all have these stretches where they where they are the guy to beat. They are untouchable. For Jeff Gordon, that was the mid nineteen nineties to the early two thousands, where he was the guy to beat and he was tough to beat. Um in ninety through from ninety six through ninety eight, he won ten plus races in every year. He won nine, 10 races in 96. He won 10 races in 97. He won 13 races in 98. That, that, I mean, that's eye-popping for the, for the era that we're talking about, too. Because obviously, as we go on from the modern era, from starting from 72 onward, uh, there's a very clear argument to be made for um, it getting harder and harder to win races as you go along. Because the talent pool is, is higher and the, um, uh, the cars are getting... Uh, getting getting better, and uh, just the, the simple fact that the talent pool is getting higher. Now, if you ask me, this is a little sidebar, if you ask me, I think that the prime NASCAR racing for as far as like the difficulty of driving the cars was probably from the 80s 
until the mid 2000s till we got to the car of tomorrow i think that the car of tomorrow i mean it had crappy racing but i think the car of tomorrow was like easy quote unquote to drive in comparison to its predecessors as was the gen 6 when we got to the the chevy ss's and the impalas and stuff and then we got into uh the to where we are now with the next gen car i think that the in particular from the car of tomorrow up until next gen and even at next gen now that car was quote unquote easy to drive so to speak in comparison to its predecessors which i don't think is a good thing i think that a lot of racing fans will agree with you we agree with me that they want the cars the cars need to be hard to drive because that that's what separates a good driver from somebody who can just execute a crew chief's game plan, which is what I think people will also take away from Jimmy Johnson, is that Jimmy dominated in a period in which he was a great he was a great race car driver, driving a car that was quote unquote easy to drive, so to speak, and um, that that t- took a lot of the skill out of the driver's hands. And they've tried to put the skill back in the driver's hands in this modern car, or this new car, the next-gen car. But that's a little sidebar, is that Jeff, another reason for my rankings on this, is that Jeff was dominating in a time period in which I think those cars were hard to drive, and they were the talent pool was at an all-time high at, at that point. The talent pool is at an all-time high. Those cars are fast. They are powerful. Uh, and... He's dominating. He he's he is beating the brakes off the competition, and it took until two thousand and eight. So his first his first full time year was nineteen ninety three. Coincidentally enough, he ran one race in nineteen ninety two. It was the last race of the year at Atlanta, and he that was the final race that Richard Petty was in. So it's kind of a weird bridging of the gap. There was that uh, Jeff Gordon's last first race was Richard Petty's last. But his first full-time year was 1993. He did not win in 1993. Uh, he had five or seven top fives, 11 top tens, um, and won a pole, but no wins in 93. But in 94, he won two races. And in 95, he won seven. And in 96, he won 10 and 10 and 13 and seven and three. So as you can see, that's when we got to the year 2000. But the, that 94, he started to figure everything out. He's 22 years old in 94 when he won his first race, but he started to dominate. But it took until from 1994 to 2007, he won a race. In fact, he won multiple races every single year. In 2008, he went winless for the first time. 19 top 10s, 13 top 5s, but just couldn't win a race. In 2008. 2009, he won another race. 2010, he went winless. So only two years, 8 and 10, 08 and 2010, that he did not win a race. He won a race uh, in every other year of his career until his retirement in 2015. He ran eight races in 2016, subbing in for an injured Dale Earnhardt Jr. So... Kind of doesn't count. He did it as a favor to Rick Hendrick and Dale Jr., of course, to drive his car and try to get him some good finishes. He won. He got two top tens uh, in Dale Jr.'s car in the eight races. But his last full time in the 24 was in 2015. Uh, and But he won a race in every season from 94 
the 2015 or he won a race i should rephrase this in in for his entire career full-time seasons in 23 full-time seasons he only went winless three times he only went winless three times in 23 years he won a race in 20 other years and he actually only was uh one only won one race in three of those 20 years so 17 of his 23 years were multi-win years for Jeff Gordon, uh, which is which is impressive, to say the least. And he is a four-time champion. So, oh, I did it again. I started talking about him without giving you his overall statistics. He started uh, 805 races and won 93 of them. Came seven short of 100, but he won 93 races, and he's a four-time champion. 477 top tens in 805 races. That's well over 50% uh, of his races. He was a, a top 10 driver. In fact, he was a top five driver in 325 of 805 races. I mean, you're talking about roughly 40% of the time he was a top five driver. That's pretty ridiculous. Um so anyway, those are his overall statistics. He won four championships. He raced under the old format, and he raced under the new format. He never won a championship under the new format, the chase format. He only won championships under the old uh, Winston Cup format. However, he would have been a seven-time champion under the old format if, if it had stayed that way his entire career. He would have been the champion in 2007, Sorry, and in, in 2004, 2007, and 2014, he would have been the champion uh, under the old points format. Uh, rather dominantly so, I might add. The, the points being where they were, he would have been champions in those years easily by the, uh, by the old points format. He's a seven-time champ under the old format. But instead... Uh, the rules changed. He's a four-time champ, and Jimmy's the the seven-time champ uh, as a as a result, as a beneficiary. So uh, that again, mentioning that little caveat, he is a he's a seven-time champ under the old format. He's a four-time champ even without it, uh, even even when you don't get to include those other ones. And he's a ninety-three race winner. Jeff Gordon again to to surmise or to finish my argument as well. Jeff Gordon. Or second place on my list is was a guy who could win at every single track and was a serious threat on short tracks, mile and a half, super speedways, and especially road courses. Uh, when you talk about the greatest of all time as far as stock cars on road courses, his name is at the top and there is no one else even near him. Uh, that That is the guy. For, for stock car uh, racing at road courses. Jeff Gordon had a, a sixth sense for, for those. Um, it was something about him winning, what was that, six consecutive road course races or ten consecutive road course races. Something. It, it's, it was an unbelievable stretch uh, that, that Jeff had uh, that uh, may not be duplicated. But uh, regardless... Jeff Gordon, uh, Jeff Gordon is number two on my in my rankings, in my opinion, and I think he has a very serious argument for number one, as uh, for the complete uh, complete package, as I discussed, uh, being able to do it all and winning so consistently, um, and 
Also, screw Brad Keselowski. <laughs> Just throw that out there. I was at that Texas race in 2014, and uh, I didn't like Brad Keselowski before that, and I can never, uh, never root for anything that he did for then because I wasn't a primary Gordon fan in my life, but my dad and my brother were uh, as far as the being. But I liked Jeff Gordon, but he was never my primary guy. And, um, you know, I rooted for him. I wasn't mad when he won a race or anything like that. I was happy. My family was happy and all that stuff. But, you know, like I was, I was a Dale Jr. fan after Dale Sr. died and a Mark Martin fan all that time. And, you know, Jeff would have, would have settled in around third or fourth on my list or whatever. So for my favorites, but I got him at number two all time on this list for the reasons above. And I think he has a very serious argument for number one. Um, and, That'll take us to our number one, which is because his name has been conspicuously absent, right, uh, from all my other, and that I barely even mentioned anything about him. But Dale Earnhardt. Uh, Dale Earnhardt is the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. Uh, He ran full-time seasons from 19... 80 until 2000 as of course he died on the last lap of the 2001 Daytona 500 where he would have been running a full-time season uh but he ran one race in 1975 two in 76 one in 77 five in 78 and he ran 27 in 1979 um but in 1980 he in his first full-time season running 31 of 31 races at the age of 29. He won five races, had 24 top 10s, and won the championship. So that's that's just a preamble to his to his whole story here. The very first full-time season, he he wins the whole, whole dang thing. Now, Dale Earnhardt ran in 676 races over uh, his, uh, his career. He won 76 of them. He finished top 10 in 428 of them, which is an eye-popping number for 428 of 676. Um, He finished top 5 in 281 of his 676 races. So, uh, again, around that, around probably around that same percentage as like Jeff Gordon with uh, about... I'll do the math real quick. Around 40%, that's what it looks like. 42% of his races, he finished in the top five. And of course, uh, 76 wins in 676 starts comes out to, um, let's see, winning 11% of the, one one out of every, um, one out of every 11 races. Uh, or sorry, an 11% winning percentage. So I guess a little under one out of every 10. So, or a little over that. And uh, Earnhardt, you can't, it's difficult to to put this in statistics. This is difficult to put into statistics. And the reason why I have him number one is that you will hear from just about anybody who ever raced one of these cars that knew that man, they will tell you that this guy could get more 
out of his equipment than anybody else. This guy could get more out of... He could take a 20th place car and get it in the top 10. And he could take a car that maybe should win... Or, or sorry, that should finish 5th and he could win with it. What, you know, whatever it is. This guy could get more out of every car that he, that he got into than you could find from just about anybody else. And that counts that I know that that cannot really be quantified statistically because it's a gut feeling thing about, about, uh, well, this car, that's like, we had like maybe a 10th place car. Or whatever. That's a gut feeling thing. There's no statistics to back that up. And I watched this guy race and I'll obviously will say that, that he was my favorite driver ever. And I was devastated, heartbroken when he died, just like a lot of other people were. And, Dale Earnhardt. A lot of people don't that, that'll that get up that get annoyed where it's like, oh, we we just love Dale Earnhardt, and, and it, it feels appropriate to to have recorded this today and to talk about him today because it is February eighteenth, two thousand and twenty three. It is twenty two years to the day, um, pretty close to probably the time that that we lost him, that he that he passed away, that he that on the the final lap of the two thousand one Daytona five hundred, a day that lives in infamy. Uh, in for NASCAR fans, um, but Earnhardt was not universally beloved by the fans during his during his time. He had plenty of people that hated him. They hated the way he drove. They hated the way that that, that you know who he was. Um, there there isn't necessarily an entirely rose colored view of of Earnhardt's um, time in NASCAR. Plenty of people that hated him, uh, but I think that. If you again, if you talk to just about anybody, it doesn't matter whether they were rivals with him or or loved him or hated him, they will tell you how basically how much of a badass that guy was behind the wheel of a race car, and again that he could get more out of. And I think that the only the only number that you can look at, or the numbers that you can maybe look at to maybe get a sense of that, is the four hundred and twenty eight top tens. You know the top fives are are nice and and eye popping as well at that like forty two percent that we said that it is of his of his starts in the top ten top five, but four hundred and twenty eight top tens out of six hundred and seventy six starts is is pretty ridiculous as well. And I'm not saying that these other guys didn't didn't have a ridiculous statistics like that. But that's sixty three percent of his starts ended up in the top ten, and when when you put that together th- that might be the best indicator of that because th- you'll have plenty of guys throughout history that'll tell you that they did not have that you know they you had a 15th place car and that's the way it was or a 13th place car an 18th place car and he got that car into the top 10 428 out of 676 tries and again the the on the, on the on the on this part of my argument that you can't sort of quantify that you just you just can't I, I don't know you just you just can't quantify you can't put it into numbers about being able to get more out of that car but that guy did and you can ask anyone he did um into the raw numbers though uh, again he is a seven-time champion under the old ports format in the modern era. He is tied 
with Jeff Gordon if you were to if you were to uh to do that uh under the under the old under the Winston Cup points format he's tied with Jeff for championships in the Winston Cup format in the modern era and he's the only one him and Jeff are the only ones that would that are at that number or even friggin close to that number of championships in the modern era funny enough Evan Harvick, if we did the the cup, uh, the points, uh, the Winston Cup points, Kevin Harvick would be second. Uh, in 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 this uh, under the old under the old format, he'd be second in championships. Um, and so I think that I think that uh, that speaks for itself as well. And speaks for my number one and number two as well. That under under the traditional point standings in the modern era, those guys are alone, and it's not close with 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 uh, the championships and race wins in the modern era too. When we again we went over the modern era, uh, Jimmy Johnson won eighty three races in the in the in the modern era. Jeff Gordon won ninety three. Dale Earnhardt won 76 in the modern era. Darrell Waltrip won 84 in the modern era. Uh, Kyle Busch is at 60. Tony Stewart at 49. Just going over my list here. And then the, the guys that were adjusting for modern era, uh, the older guys. Petty won 60 in the modern era. Pearson won 45 in the modern era. Yarbrough at 69 in the modern era. And Allison at 55 in the modern era. So Earnhardt is, in the modern era, would be... Fourth, fourth all time, I believe, for wins. Um, at seventy six, with the only people being ahead of him being, uh, Jimmy, um, Daryl, and Jeff. If we only counted modern era wins, and well above, you know, Dale and Jeff, well above everybody in championships, not even close for for the modern era. And Earnhardt is unique in that sense that he ran his career. His career came entirely. It's kind of like Darrell Waltrip where his career came entirely within the modern era. Uh, and his, 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 his wins and championships came entirely within that. In the modern era, before the chase and the playoffs is what I should say. Their entire careers were before the playoffs and chase crap in the modern era. And Dale got it done in that era, the prime era, the most competitive and difficult as, as it got harder and harder and the, the driver talent, the talent pool got harder and harder and the cars got faster and more powerful and difficult to drive. He got it done. 76 wins, seven championships, 428 top tens in 676 races. An average finishing position for his career of 11.1. Average finishing position of 11.1. So every time that guy started the car and, and got into a race car, he was, it was, you were almost guaranteed a top 10. Almost. <laughs> uh, pretty, that's pretty ridiculous. That's extremely eye-popping. Um, and uh, as well, and is up there for some of the highest finishing positions in, in history. Um, but 
Outside of that, what we can also kind of throw in there is that Earnhardt won. Earnhardt was, so I'd say Earnhardt, his weakness, so to speak, as far as those tracks, because we talked about the guys that got it done at short tracks, road courses, mile and a half, super speedways. His one weakness was probably road courses. Earnhardt was not an a, a incredible road course racer. Um, he was a competent one. He was good, but he was not great um, or, you know, excellent. Like, like a, he wasn't, he wasn't Jeff Gordon at road courses by any, by any stretch. Uh, however, that is sort of countered out by the fact that he is the super speedway God and that he was incredible at short tracks, uh, as well. He was a, a dominant racer at, at places like Wilkesboro and Bristol. And I mean, he, he, Richmond was a great track for Earnhardt, I believe as well. He was a, a phenomenal short track racer, and he was the god head and shoulders above anyone else at super speedways at the restrictor plates or what would become restrictor, pl- restrictor plates. He he raced uh, some of that time before the restrictor plates too. Talladega, Daytona, that guy, he was the man. Uh, Earnhardt was the the you know the the stories of how. You, Earnhardt could practically see the air. He knew how to race those 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 races better than anyone else. So that's sort of to me the you know maybe being a little left a little to be desired at road courses and things was the fact that it's not again it's not like he was bad at road courses. He just wasn't as good as as he was at the other places. But he was the all time. He is the super speedway goat. Ten Talladega wins. Uh, I believe if you include IROC, which is not a part of, you know, not necessarily necessarily part of NASCAR uh, or anything, but a lot of NASCAR drivers drove in IROC in the in the 90s. If you include IROC, uh, I believe he won. And if you include IROC and non points races, so the you know the duels uh, and the clashes and everything, Earnhardt won um, 30 races, I think it is at Daytona. It's either 24 or 30, and for some reason I'm, I'm just getting the numbers mixed up, and I think it's 30 at Daytona. That is mind-popping, boggling. He, from 1989 until 1991, or sorry, until 1999, from 89 to 1999, 10-year period, he won his Daytona dual race, qualify, his qualifying Daytona dual race, every single year, 10 straight. So, yeah, Earnhardt is the speed king. And I think that's probably why, you know, the, the view that people have of him as well in, in those regards is that uh, that man went fast better than anyone else ever did. <laughs> that man went fast better than anyone else ever did. And uh, so on top of all that, the absolute super speedway king, um, he won... He won uh, the crown jewels uh, a lot. He won uh, three Southern 500s, three Coke 600s, the Brickyard 400, and the Daytona 500 in 98. It took him 20 years, but he got it. Um, and, of course, his final victory, 76, was the famous. He went from 18th to 1st 
in four laps to win the race at Talladega. His final win, it was very fitting. That was his final win. He didn't know that would be his final win. Nobody did. But uh, in nineteen in 2000, that was his final, final win. He won a race um, in 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s. He won a race in four different decades. That encompasses a lot of cars, a lot of motors, a lot of drivers, a lot of tracks. And he won a race in four different decades, uh, which is which is something that uh, not a lot of other people can say either. I think I I think that probably just about does it for my case for Earnhardt. I think I think that just about just about does it. Um, seventy six race winner, seven time champion. Um, Average finishing position of 11.1 for his entire career. Uh, the absolute, utter, unequivocal dominance at plate tracks, super speedways. Uh, one of the one of the drivers to win all the crown jewel races. Uh, and a winner in every decade. And uh, as far as the modern era and under the Winston Cup point system, fourth all time in wins and uh, it's not like he's really blown out on those wins either besides Gordon's got him by uh, what is that 17 wins and Daryl's got him by eight wins and Jimmy's got him by seven and then Earnhardt sits there at 76 in the modern era Winston Cup era um, with the with the championships and the finishing the finishes that he did Um you know, there's a there's very good reason for, and it's not just because of how he he passed away, but there's very good reason that he is revered the way that he is in the sport today, and the the way that people still that I to this day I I got an Earnhardt Goodwrench jacket and I got Earnhardt shirts and hats and there's a the, there's a reason that I, I still I go to a NASCAR race and on the third lap I put up those three fingers. There's a there's a reason that he's revered the way that he is. He transcended the the sport. He was um he was dominant in in his era. If we want to do a quick one more quick stat thing is that ever since he started running full time in 1980, he only registered two seasons from 1980 to 2000 where he didn't win a race. Two seasons. 1997, a notoriously rough season for him, and uh, 1981, 81, and 97 are the only two seasons from from 1980, from his first full time year in 1980 to his to his last full time year in 2000, that he uh, didn't win a race. Uh, and again, the multi race winner thing, he only was. He won one race in 1982, one in 92, and one in 98, but he was a multi-race winner every other year of his career, including a 1987 that saw him win 11 races, and a 1990 that he won nine races in as well. So those two, be, those two seasons being kind of the top of the pops there. Uh, his championship seasons came as well, 1980, uh, 1986, 87, 90, 91, 93, and 94. And if you look at um, that stretch 
from 86 to, uh, we'll, we'll say 86 to 95 in particular. He finished first, first, third, second, first, first, 12th, first, first, second, that's that's the rundown. I mean, that is a that is a ridiculous run. He had the one year in '92 that was not so good for him, uh, finishing finishing twelfth in the points. But that that every other year, first, second, third. I mean, that's that is a, a ridiculous level of dominance over about ten year period as well, and winning a hell of a lot of races in there too. So, um. Yeah, I think that about surmises my my argument for the greatest of all time. The greatest NASCAR driver of all time. It's Dale Earnhardt. And um I think I think there's a fair argument for Jeff Gordon, but I think that those two stand alone at the top. And that I don't think it's particularly close among anyone else. Um and um I'll give uh, I'll do the I'll run down the list one more time here as we as we as we wrap this episode up. Uh my my all my all-time top 10, Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Richard Petty, David Pearson, Cale Yarborough, Daryl Waltrip, Bobby Allison, Kyle Busch, and Tony Stewart are, uh, are my top 10. So there you have it. I think, uh, I think that, that just about wraps it up. I want to thank everybody for listening. This was a long one. If you're a NASCAR fan, you'll probably enjoy this, uh, of course, which is why I think you'll be listening to it. If you've made it to this point of the episode, you are a NASCAR fan. And I'd love to hear your comments or maybe your top 10 um, or uh, any sort of um, you know, observations or arguments against my top 10 that you'd like to make. I'd love to hear those, um, of, as always. And I want to thank everybody for listening to this one. We're going to get this one uh, uploaded. And I hope everybody enjoys the Daytona 500 tomorrow. Rest in peace, Dale Earnhardt, the greatest of all time. Uh, 22 years to the day. Never forget it. Um, you know, I, I pray for a, a genuinely a safe race uh, tomorrow. As uh, I have, you know, seen some, some terrible accidents over the years um, since Dale died. And we've been very fortunate to not lose anybody else you know uh, i'd like to you know like to think that that earnhardt earnhardt's death um as tragic and sad as it is and everything it it saved a lot of other people's lives because nascar got serious about safety there and and they wanted to make sure that nobody else that that would never happen again or at least do everything in their power to make sure it didn't and um you know up to this point it hasn't i pray for a good safe race tomorrow as we kick off the the 2023 season um, and, uh, look forward to sharing my thoughts on the races every week and, uh, maybe some more other, you know, historical episodes about other things, but I look forward to sharing my, my thoughts on the regular episodes of the podcast every week. I'll, uh, I'll be sure to get an episode out on Monday or Tuesday after the Daytona 500. I'm sure talking about, um, plenty to do with that among, uh, the other, other things that we'll, uh, discuss in sports. So thank you all for listening to this episode. And I will see you the next time. This has been Connor for The Victory Cigar. Be sure to follow at Victory Cigar Pod on Twitter. And uh, favorite us here on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.